Good morning. This is Christine with the Hair Affair, and welcome to my beauty lounge. I hope that your coffee cup is full and ready to go. We have a powerful story this morning with a guest speaker about her journey with breast cancer. So let's get going with Stylist Sunday. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is Christine with the Hair Affair. Today, I've got a special guest. I have Nikki Thompson from Houston, Texas. I'll let her introduce herself and we'll get started from there. Hey, Nikki, how are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Good. Um, Yeah. And um, yeah, so I know we are Redkin sisters. Yes, we are. (laughs) Yep, yep. So I met you in New York and now I'm back in Houston. That's great. How long have you lived in Houston now? I've been back in Houston for two years. And prior to that, my husband and I lived in Abu Dhabi for five years. Okay. Uh, so we were gone from 2007, no, 2016 to 21. 21. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. and then we were lived here previously. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting and fun. We'll have to talk about that maybe some yeah. other time. <laughs> Well, it actually ties into what we were talking about, what we're planning to talk about today regarding the breast cancer. Oh, well, great. Well, then I'll just kind of let you take, take a lead right into that then and, and tell us what you got on your mind. Sure. Yeah. So since it's breast cancer awareness month and I am a breast cancer survivor, um, I, I guess I putting forth a little effort to raise awareness and just talk about my experience um as i guess a someone who you know was diagnosed with breast cancer and as a hairstylist and what the impact was and so for me i was um i was diagnosed in november of 2014 wow and i found the lump myself Um, I was very active and I had been running in the park with a friend and um, I was sore underneath my arm and I thought it was like an ill-fitting sports bra and um, but through like I was kind of like rubbing in the area trying to like find out like what the problem was and I found a lump. However, I I didn't realize what I had found. I really didn't think it was a lump, like in terms of a breast cancer lump. Sure. I just thought it was, you know, some soreness and that it would go away because I had just started jogging again. And, you know, I thought it was more so something like that, but um, it just didn't go away. Isn't that, don't you have lymph nodes under your arm? Yep, that's correct. Okay. And that's exactly what, um, what I found. In my case, what my breast cancer was, they call it in the tail of the breast. So it's kind of like where your breast kind of meets up under your arm. Okay. Um, so I had a lump there and then I also had um, cancer in my lymph nodes. So that's why that, that whole area was, was sore. Okay. And so I had actually, I actually was so confident that I did not have breast cancer because no one in my family had had breast cancer. I had never been sick. Um, Prior to that, I was like literally in perfect health. And so I wasn't concerned, you know, and I had a, I had already had a mammogram scheduled um, f- 
for a few weeks out. So I just figured, you know, I would just let them know when I got there. This was only my second mammogram. So I was, I had just turned 41. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, so basically I had scheduled my mammogram in between clients because previously, you know, it was, I was in and out in 20 minutes. So I just figured, you know, I would run across town, get my mammogram, come back to work. And in my case, this time it turned into um, a diagnostic mammogram. Oh boy. Yeah. So when I showed up, I had talked to the nurses and I said that I had, you know, found this, this lump. I didn't know if it was relevant. And so they told me that if, you know, in the, like I should have booked a diagnostic mammogram versus a screening mammogram. But of course, not having any experience in this, I did not know that. Right. Um, so uh, they told me that I would have to come back for the diagnostic, but they would go ahead and do the screening mammogram since I was there. But after after they looked at the images, I noticed their demeanor kind of changed and suddenly they had a little more time to look at it. And so instead of that being a 20 minute mammogram, it turned into being two hours. Oh my goodness. And I had to call my last client that I had scheduled for the day and tell her like, oh my gosh, this is like taking longer than I thought. I don't know what's going on. Um, and um, yeah, so anyway, they told me after having a lot of people come in and out of the room and looking at the images that they wanted me to come back to get a, a biopsy. And they told me that it was going to take a couple of weeks to get that scheduled. Um, but they actually called me back the next day and they told me that I could come in like two days later for this biopsy. So um, I kind of had a feeling at that point that maybe it was something to be concerned about. Sure. Um, and like I said, ultimately, uh, I actually received a call while I was at work and I found out that was... Uh, against protocol but um yeah someone from the doctor's office called me while i was blow drying a client and told me that i had um breast cancer they told me i had stage three breast cancer so, oh my goodness yeah yeah um oddly enough though like i didn't cry i didn't like melt down or anything um i just was like you know ask them what my next steps were sure. and and you know kind of went from there it turned into just an insane number of doctor's appointments you know so you know i guess getting the whole like diagnostics and understanding exactly what type of cancer it was and you know all of the information so i just it was just a very very different um than anything that i was i had ever experienced in life because i had always been so healthy and i really just hadn't really had any significant challenges in life. So that was probably the first time that I experienced something that was challenging in that way. Well, and isn't that kind of the misconception also when it comes to cancer or any kind of disease or illness where you can be healthy as a horse, but things can yeah. still happen to you. And this oh, is absolutely. a great example of that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was like humbling because I, I think at Prior to this, I was somewhat arrogant and delusional, you know, thinking like, oh, it can't happen to me. Sure. But like, you know, why not? Why can't it not happen to you? Right. Of course, it, you know, but since it hadn't, you know, I was, you know, under that false impression. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. What, so, is, what a start to the story there. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, it, yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm I'm 42 and I have not yet had any kind of mammogram done, and I'm surprised as often as I go to the doctor. Um, for some other stuff that they haven't said, oh, by the way, maybe you should be doing this. <laughs> yeah. So I obviously need to need to get into the doctor and take care of that just just to be on the safe side. Yes, definitely. Because I absolutely, you know, like they say, you know, when you find it, when you find out earlier, you know, it can be better for a variety of reasons. Sure. Um, you know, Usually, if you catch it sooner or in the earlier stages, your treatment plan can be fairly short. Um, in my case, uh, my treatment lasted for um, a year and a half. Wow. And I had uh, chemotherapy, um, targeted therapy, surgery, radiation, um, oh, and hormonal therapy. And the hormonal therapy lasted for five years. So total time for me was about six, six years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause some of the treatments overlapped. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it definitely impacted me in terms of what I was able to do behind the chair. Absolutely. Um, I started out, um, you know, I just, you know, of course I let the clients know and, and it, it, I, I was able to work throughout the first year and a half. Um, but the cumulative side effects from my treatment caused me to have like debilitating pain. Mm. And so I was in constant pain. And so I ended up um, stepping away from the chair for five years. And that's actually when we moved overseas. Okay. Uh, so we went moved to Abu Dhabi. I finished my, my, when I say I finished the treatment, I really am talking about the time in which I had to go back and forth to the hospital that was the first year and a half. So after I finished up my kind of infusions and having to go regularly, then it was just hormone therapy where I took a pill every day. So once I got to that point of the treatment, um, I finished going back and forth to the hospital in May of uh, 2016. And then we moved overseas in August. So we we sold our house and everything in it and moved overseas. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That wasn't just based off of hormones now, was it? I, that's one of the questions that we ask our clients when they're asking for something completely different or out of the norm for them. <laughs> Are you pregnant? No. <laughs> Are you seeing a counselor? No. <laughs> that's no, nuts. it just happened to work out really well. Like that was, I, I think it was divine timing. Yeah. Um, because um, I just, it, I just wasn't able to do it anymore. I did the best I could. At the time that I was diagnosed, I was the primary breadwinner in our family. And so like it was super scary to kind of go from earning a nice amount of money to like earning nothing. Right. Um, it was really very scary. But mm -hmm. I just I, I just physically I could not do it. And so it just so happened that my husband um, had a job opportunity come up and he asked me if I would be interested in moving to Abu Dhabi. And I, I went to boarding school. I grew up on the East Coast and I went to boarding school and one of my classmates was from Abu Dhabi. And so oh. I just happened to have known that. <laughs> like, I just happened to have known that. And so I was just like, yeah, sure, like we can go. But of course, like I, when I said it, like I literally said it just like that. So it's not like we had, I don't like, I'm telling you the Lord was with us because it's sure. not like we did like research or like, you know, really 
deep dived into what life would be like living in the Middle East. I didn't even know if he was going to get the job. He didn't know. And it turned out that he got the job. Wow. And so we just were like, okay, well, let's sell the house. And and that was that. Well, and, you know, it sounds like that, you know, like you said, divine intervention. It's like the good Lord knew that, okay, Nicole, it's time for you to just sit, rest. But also I've heard you talk about that while you were living in Abu Dhabi, that that's when you really took on with like just educating yourself and and going after different goals and and just really taking and feeding yourself with whatever you could yeah yeah i think after a few years i really i really did i was concerned um in all honesty the first probably two two to three years because I went through a period of time that because my pain was so debilitating, I was unsure if I would be able to continue working in the industry. And that also was scary too, because I really was unsure, like, have I just like essentially become disabled? And if that is the case, like, what do you do then? So that was really uh, awful, I guess, honest, like just, it was just an awful place to be. And I kept praying about it and kind of asking for guidance you know, like, if this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, then please let me know what it is. Because, you know, I don't want to do nothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's all I, I, I knew. I, I, what I did know was that I am I'm an entrepreneurial spirit. I am someone who likes creativity and like artistic characteristics to what I do. I needed to be flexible. Like I know the things that I like, but really, I had only ever been a hairstylist. So you know, to think like, oh, all of a sudden you go from doing what you love. And I'm, I was thinking prior to being diagnosed, I was wanting to open like a storefront salon. And, you know, I thought, OK, like I'm entering my 40s. I'm about to scale up. I'm about to, you know, be great. And then like everything just like went to hell. Yeah. So um, but anyway, I guess I kept coming back to the same answer. So then I was like, OK, well, what can I do that is related to hairdressing that? you know, that, that isn't as physically as demanding. And then, you know, I thought about trying to get into, you know, the education component of, you know, hairdressing, but I didn't really want to be like a, like a teacher at a, at a beauty school. I I wanted to stay on the professional side. And then I saw a job description for um, a Redken education manager in Dubai. And um, I applied and according to the job description, I, would I was qualified according to the job description. However, I think in reality, I really wasn't qualified. Um, I just I just didn't have the skills. So um, I basically just kept that description. And I began searching for classes that I could take to, you know, increase my skill. And that was that was difficult too, because being over there, you know, I didn't know like, where does one go buy mannequins and <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> like all of the things that we have access to here, right? They have nice, they have nice beauty supplies, but it just, it's not the same. And so I would like order mannequins and have them shipped overseas. And it was just crazy, but you know, I am determined. And so, um, you know, I found a few online programs and I found a few little mannequins and I just, started where you know I started with what was available to me and what you um, had yeah and then I found a class 
I can't remember what, whether it was 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2019. And it was called Powerful Presenting. And it was at the Redkin Exchange. And um, the facilitators were Chris Barron and um, Chris Moody. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And so that was super intimidating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think they all are at first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was like, you know, that was a really cool experience. And and later on, I, I had a few minutes where I got to talk to Chris Moody. And um, he told me that he had actually worked in Dubai and he knew about the position and everything that I had applied for. And he was like, no, because they hadn't told me I didn't get it. And he was like, yeah, no, you didn't. Um, oh, geez. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, okay. He said that he knew who did. And he told me that he would put me in touch with her once she, you know, got in settled in the position, which he did do. That connection didn't really go anywhere. I did reach out um, quite a few times, but yeah, she just, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But, but nonetheless, it didn't, it didn't really deter me. And I've just kind of continued along my process through, you know, finding out like what is a Redkin artist and taking the classes to become one. To me, this is kind of part of that process to, you know, be able to facilitate and learn a different side of the field. Um, even though ultimately I finally got to the point where I can be back, you know, back at work and back behind the chair. So now I've just sort of expanded my skill set, and, you know, ultimately the pain finally resolved. I, it didn't, it, I had to get off of that medication that I was on for five years. Once I stopped taking that, it slowly got out of my system and now I feel good again. But it, it literally took until probably, probably 2022. Wow. That's amazing. So was the medication, that's what was causing your pain? Yeah, I think, well, I, I don't, I, I think my body. So for example, I had treatment for me was just, it was a lot, which I'm sure it is for a lot of people, but we don't really hear the, that part of their stories. No, but uh -uh. like, in my case, I was a, allergic to chemotherapy so like the first type of chemo they gave me it caused my hand to break out in pustules oh my goodness and so they told me that the dosage was too high so they reduced the dosage after my surgery they found that I still had some cancer left so they gave me a different type of chemotherapy that was a little stronger that one it was like well it was kind of I, I guess kind of a cocktail it was multiple types of chemotherapy but one of them caused me to have issues like in my intestinal tract and so oh. it it caused like really really severe pain oh, and geez. um so ultimately they told me they could just give me the chemo without that particular drug so there was that i so i think it was cumulative i also sure. for me like a lot of times people will say like radiation is like oh you're in radiation like this is like easy but for me radiation caused like profound fatigue to the point where like for me to get up take a shower I would then have to rest after my shower so that I could then put on my clothes and then go to work yes yeah I and then yeah and then like sit down mm -hmm. it was like it was insane like I, it was ridiculous and then and, and then as soon as I finished that that's when they started me on the hormonal therapy which is what Oh, what is this medication? I think I put it out of my mind because I it, I can't even remember it. 
<laughs> at the moment. <laughs> but whatever it is, it, it is it is a known side effect that it causes joint pain. And so basically, I just I was in pain like like it was hard for me to stand up straight. I kind of was walking at like a 45 degree angle because to be upright was painful. It hurt me to lay down. Like I was just in pain all day, every day. It didn't matter what I was doing. Oh my goodness. Um, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah so, yeah. so I just think all of those things just kind of over, you know, over time, it just got to the point where I just, I just, I had never experienced anything like it. I mean, I began like reading, I was wondering if it was like fibromyalgia. Like I just, I didn't know because mm -hmm. I went from, you know, running three miles a day to that. Right. Right. Well, yeah. I, I used to be a runner and, and run like, I only did like five Ks. I didn't do anything beyond that. If I did a 5k, mm -hmm. then I was pretty proud of myself. So I just stuck yeah. with those. And, and I kind of went through the same thing. I was out running one morning and it was super cold. It was like one below zero. And I was with my wow. friend and, um, we were running back to our cars and I said, I was like, you know, I don't know if I layered correctly cause I can't feel anything from my waist down, you know? Oh. So I, I thought I was just super cold. Mm -hmm. You know, it is negative one outside and I'm running because I'm a nerd that way. But anyways, um, and this was on New Year's Eve. Well, on New Year's Day, I woke up and I could not even get myself out of the bed. I couldn't, mm. I couldn't move. I couldn't twist. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't do anything. And I somehow had injured myself in running and I couldn't get into the chiropractor um, the next day cause he was booked full. And so I, it was like two or three days after that, after New Year's Eve, before I could finally get in and it, my, my running days were over after that. And that, you know, that was, it was sad for me. And I'm sure that's not even close to near the kind of pain you were in, but <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it, it's still, you know, when you have something taken away from you that you can't do, but, Absolutely. but even yeah. at your level, and that's even something in a way that I can relate to a little bit of, of how you entered into the artist program, because I definitely do not want to take away from your story and what you went through with the breast cancer. But as far as how you entered the artist program through Redken, um, mm -hmm. it was kind of the same path as yours, I guess, where I had been diagnosed with small fiber uh, neuropathy. And mm. I, again, and I don't know if it's related to my ac my running, ac you know, injury from 15 years ago, or if this is, you know, something new, but that's another story I can talk about later. But anyways, so when I first started taking online classes in January, and then realized exactly what an artist was, and I thought, oh, this would be actually super beneficial because if anything ever happens to me behind the chair or I can't work behind yeah. the chair anymore, then I can still be in the industry, but at a different yep. kind of pace and do what I love. Yeah. And yeah. I had this all planned out where I thought it was going to take me like, it, it was like a four-year plan. I'm like, all right, I'll sign up for this class this month and this one this month and take certification this month and, you know, like all these crazy yeah. things. And it was going to be like a four-year thing. And then artist training camp came up and it went from four years in January to possibly being an artist by the end of the year. And it's like, whoa, what just happened here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, that's how I kind of relate to you as far as finding the program and, and kind of just reaching out and educating, you know, when you 
are in an industry that you do love, but you just, you're not ready to give up on it and having that extra goal. And I think that's amazing and great. And I'm super glad that you went through so I could meet you and hear your story and stuff. But so how long have you been cancer free now? Or is that Um, a term that's still used? Yeah, I think, I think they still use it. I would say, let me think back. So I, I would say probably October or November of, uh, so about a year after it took about a year because, so I would say around October of 2015 would be official because although I don't know that they ever really gave me that whole thing where they, where they, where we see it on TV where they're like, okay, we have good news. You're you know, cancer free, ring the bell. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now I read, I rang the bell after radiation. Um, but I guess in my mind, as long as I was taking cancer meds, like it didn't, you know, (laughs) yeah, I guess I was like, yeah, I mean, whatever. I still got five years to go, but I would say, I would say October of 2015, I was probably cancer free because I will have, I, by that time I had finished that second cycle of chemotherapy and I think that's what knocked out the final the final um cancer cells would be my guess they didn't really tell tell it to me like that um I did like I got my port removed that wasn't until 2020 it's it's just it was it was a a nine year it was like essentially a nine year process of just between getting like you know all of the medication the actual treatment getting the port out and just, and, and in fact, it was last December when I went for my mammogram, they told me that I, I, they said I should have been in a survivorship program, but now I can go back to getting screening mammograms as opposed to diagnostic mammograms. So that's like, so this year um, around November or December is when I'll go back and get my mammogram again. So now this will be the first time since 20. 14 that I can have a screening mammogram. Wow. That's amazing. Well, that's what, let me think here. If I'm doing the math, right. Um, five. So eight years then technically uh, cancer free nine. nine years. Oh, uh, oh, right. Can- I guess. Yes. Technically cancer free. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yes. That's awesome. And I, I know that's yeah. been quite a journey for you. And that was just like teeny tiny bit of your story because I've got so many questions I could be asking you right now that might steer us off into a whole nother direction like tell me about the salons in Abu Dhabi like seriously (laughs) oh yeah we could have another conversation (laughs) about that but I did want to say though the, the reason I wanted to talk about it as it relates to being a hairdresser is because I do feel like sometimes we get so busy behind the chair and we don't want to step away to take care of our ourselves bingo and so, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want any of us to like think that we should skip out on being timely with our health care because I mean, this has cost me like a significant time, like period of time in my life to get resolved. And again, I went from being like, I was making like well over a hundred thousand dollars down to zero mm-hmm. and I still haven't gotten back to where I was before. So it's like a huge hit, you know what I mean? And right. I think other thing that happened to me that I want to speak on yes. is like my, like something happened. I don't, 
in all of our moves, because we've been back and forth and all around the world, there was a lapse in my, my, my life insurance. And now I can't find anyone to insure me because, um, because, mm-hmm, because I've had breast cancer. Oh, no. And um, they said that I had to be like 10 years out from diagnosis. So I should be able to get it again soon. You're but getting like, there. Some of the things that I feel like we don't really talk about and we don't think about. Right. And so, you know, I just don't want anyone else to experience. Well, of course, it would be wonderful if no one experienced breast cancer. But, you know, I know that's unrealistic. But at least, you know, if you go into it kind of like informed about, you know, like we I think we just need to think about these things, put money away for, you know, what if and even like what you were saying, you know, just you think going out on a run, no big deal. I'll be back. I'll feel good. I'll go again tomorrow. And then you wake up and you can't get out of bed. You know, these are like the things that we don't think about usually in our industry. No, we don't. It's a more physical industry than the average. And I just think we really need to kind of care for our bodies. You know, that needs to be, we need to prioritize that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And I totally agree with you on that. And that comes down to the ergonomics of our tools and how we are at the wash sink and making sure that we're using our tools like our chairs because they go up and down and twist around and that you know that we're yeah we're watching how we position our body because we can just get into such a a groove or in a way that it it, you just don't think about it and then it's really hard to break those habits because then it doesn't feel right when you're trying to break those habits you know like me i'm always trying to remind myself to stand up straight and then i'm like oh this feels awkward but (laughs) I know I have to or that I should be because I don't want major back problems later in life because it seems like anybody I know that's gone in for back surgery, it's not ever just one and they almost end up worse off than they did beforehand and it's I don't want to have to go down that route at all. And so it, it is important and it's and it is a physical job and I think people, you know, look at us and think, well, how can something like that be physical, you know, and and not just with our, you know, checking, doing the mammograms and your blood work and making sure all that is, you know, in a safe place and making sure that your vitamin D levels, because that's another thing that a lot of us lack on being inside all the time on not having the right iron or the right vitamin D levels. And, oh yeah, and also mm-hmm. the other number one big thing too, is our mental health. And that's, oh yes. that's something that we need to take time out for ourselves and I'm speaking to the choir with that one I I need to get back on track with that myself just to have somebody to debrief to that you know isn't family because we get we're therapizing you know we're we have somebody in the chair all the time that we're the therapist it seems like (laughs) that we need to have our place of debrief also but oh yeah I think that's um (laughs) yeah you know maybe you also maybe you could have like a debrief day for your podcast too (laughs) hey you know i think you've got some great ideas maybe we'll have to run with that a little and and have you back on the show for sure and we could bounce stuff off each other all day oh yeah man i think there's so many things to talk about (laughs) there really is you're you're on to something with this podcast (laughs) well you know i just my whole idea about this is we see so much and experience so much in the salon and you know like i said being a therapist behind the chair or just being that calm, safe place for somebody if they're just having a heck of a day and they come in and sit down and all they want to do is just sit there and be quiet and not even speak. We, we're we just 
we do it all basically. Um, (laughs) I was trying to help a lady a couple weeks ago. Uh, she got, um, kicked out of her, her house that she was renting. And I don't know, understand the whole situation. I didn't go into detail with her about it or anything. And she has this dog that she had rescued a few years ago, but now I think this dog has turned into like her own therapy dog in a way. And so, Mm. and where I live, it's like, there's not a renter in town who will not allow, or that will allow pets. It's like almost rental, any rental you find, it's no pets, no smoking, no whatever. I mean, they're very strict everywhere. And so she's looking at having to turn this dog over. And I was like, you don't have to do that. We'll figure something out. You know, and I'm like trying to save this dog for her, you know, it's just it just it's amazing you know all the things that we do yeah so <laughs> wow that's actually so interesting and so different from houston because i feel like here the pets are allowed everywhere like it seems anyway sure. it was, well if it's not houston like all of houston where i live specifically it's like such a dog loving place in this in this particular you know subsection of houston yeah i i don't know what it is because and it's it seems like it's always been that way. And I even sold real estate before uh, I became a cosmetologist. And when I was in the real estate business, it was really hard. And if you could find somebody that would allow pets, it was a major deposit. And you would get it back at the end of your lease or when you left or whatever, as long as you know there wasn't any damages. And people were willing to put thousands of dollars down just to have a place to live with their animals Mm-hmm. knowing that when they you know that they didn't have to give them up or turn them over or anything like that so it's it's craziness here it's yeah our I may live in a small town in a big state that a lot of people don't even realize exists but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. when it comes to inflation here and even just um your general living expenses I might as well be living in New York City I feel like half the time because it is it is outrageous and the the rules and everything that they these renters put on people it's crazy luckily enough I don't rent and so I can keep my two dogs (laughs) because I wouldn't know what to do (laughs) if I had to give them up for anything so but well thank you so much for being on the show with me Nikki it was so fun to to have you and to hear your story and I, I think that we've got more to talk about, whether we tag on to that or we pick up something else that we've talked about along the way. What do you think? Oh, for sure. Yes. Awesome. I think we could be on here for a long time. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, Nicole, for sharing your story with us and being Breast Cancer Awareness of Month. Do you have any inspiration notes or anything that you would like to share with our listeners today about breast cancer? About breast cancer in general or like how to get through it or, you know, just if, yeah, if there, do you have any, what would you suggest to any woman who either has gone through this and what they should be doing or somebody who is in the middle of this, just a, a, a note of knowing that you're not alone and there are several out there that can, you know, just, you've got to find that, that team or that support, you know, to help. get you through this yeah well (laughs) that is a good question I would say like for me I ended up um, there's a lot of forums online and so sometimes I had like if I had a question 
I really, like I researched on forums like that. I will say for myself, I, I was very open and honest with people. I didn't hide what was going on with me. And I, because I can't imagine trying to get through that without a large outpouring of support. And so I was really able to feel supported from, you know, friends, family, clients, just, you know, Mm -hmm. people I expect, or not that I don't, I don't know, expect is probably not the right word, but just, I I was just open. And so I, I was really, I allowed myself to be loved on, I would say, in a way that, you know, I hadn't ever before because I had never, you know, gone through anything significant Mm -hmm. like that. And so that was a really beautiful thing for me. And so I would just suggest or, you know, that people be open and let people know what's going on because you may really find yourself surprised at the outpouring of support that you will get from people you know and you don't know. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I have people who introduce me to other people. Oh, I, I, in fact, a friend of a friend like I had met, unfortunately, another Nikki, and she had, she had, we both had stage three breast cancer. And unfortunately, she actually didn't survive. Mm. But like, oh, we would message each other. And, you know, um, in recent years, um, my nutritionist that I used to see, she was diagnosed, and she reached out to me. And, you know, so I would just sit on the phone and talk to her. And, you know, I think, I just think it's one of those things where if you are open and not private, um, I think it'll help you get through it, or at least it helped me. Absolutely. I will say. And one thing for me that I did, I felt very early on, I really felt that it was super important for me to have a, a solid mindset. And so what I did was I just made sure every single day I would look for like the bright side of every single thing, everything, like every situation, like all day, every day, I just made it a practice. Just be grateful for the smallest. Yes. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it was, like, Mm -hmm. even if it was somebody stopped by the store and brought me a cup of soup or just, you know, anything. Sure. I still am in amazement that, you know, to essentially be, you know, to lose a significant, income in your family we did not miss paying any bills like everything got paid it was so many miraculous things that happened during that time um that i just really got in the habit of expressing gratitude for and i began to kind of look for the good in everything right and so even though it was it was a very trying time I can I can probably talk for 30 minutes to an hour about all of the good that came out of it. Right. Well, it's all about the attitude of the heart. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> so I think in that sense, and I would say for me, uh, another thing is just, it was a period of time where I had great faith. Like, I mean, I absolutely could have passed away. I mean, it was stage three. And it just so happened that I responded well to the treatment, but you kind of like get to that. Like, so for me, I just was like, I just, however it was, however it worked out, I just decided to believe that that was the way it should work out, which is a lot easier said than done. I mean, like Mm -hmm. when I was um, supporting my nutritionist through it, 
she was just like, I just don't, I, I don't know how the heck you have that attitude. <laughs> right. And I was just like, I don't know, but I, I think it's a decision. I'm not saying it's easy. I don't know, but I was able to do it. And, you know, just like, I think if you just look for the beauty and you create a new habit of doing that, like it just makes it better. Absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I agree with you. You know, it's just all about the attitude of your heart and your mind when they meet together, you know, and if you can just stay positive and grateful in the midst of the storm, God's going to carry you through that and give you peace in the middle of the storm. Mm-hmm. Is there something going on big around you? Yes, but you can still have comfort and be shown in many ways. Like you said, people bringing you a cup of soup or, or whatever it was. So yeah, that is absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about you tell everybody or tell us where we can find you in Houston if they want to see you and, and make an appointment with you? Oh, yeah. I work in my salon suites, East Heights location. And so I am on Edward Street. And my Instagram handle is at Nicole the Artist. And that's N-I-C-H-O-L-E, the artist. Perfect. And I will have that information also on my webpage at the end, hopefully by the um, end of the day when when I post this. It was so great to have you and I'll be in touch so that we can do some more chit chatting. It was great catching up. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Yeah. You take care. You as well. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining Nikki and I today in the beauty lounge. And I hope that you were able to take away from her story how important it is to take care of ourselves in mind, body, and spirit, and having a great support team that surrounds us throughout life, not just in our deepest of valleys. We can't help others when we're not 100% ourselves. So make sure that you reach out to those that you love today and let them know that you love them. It's important because you just never know what tomorrow will bring. You can catch Nikki's information again if you didn't get it written down at my website, which is theheraffairwithchristine.com, and that's Christine with the C. And under the show notes, you'll find all of her information and where you can contact her or even book a hair appointment with her. So please, if you're in the Houston area, make sure that you do that. I know that she'll love to hear from you. Thank you for joining me today on the Stylist Sunday episode, and I will catch you later. Have a great rest of your day.